Hey guys, it's Mo and Carter. On this episode, we're going to talk about self-esteem and how self-esteem is earned. We're going to talk about examples from Simone Biles, Tyson Fury, and of course, lessons on the mat in jiu-jitsu. Join us now for episode number 176. Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. So, okay, so what are we talking about today? So, so I was just, I was thinking about it because, okay, so the Simone Biles thing, um, it was very different. I, I didn't know what it was going to be because I, I was, I was curious, just, I was like, this is going to be cool for my my goddaughters, because one is 12, one's about to turn 10. They're both doing gymnastics. They're both huge Simone Bile fans. So I'm like, okay, this would be a cool little gift for them. And, um, but I had no idea what it was going to be, because I'm like, are they just going to do gymnastics? Is it going to be like, like, what is it going to be? And it was, I would say, almost very little gymnastics. I mean, they had the whole setup with the bars and the floor and they were doing flippies and, you know, little this and little that. But what was really interesting was it was a lot more about mindset and sort of in self-empowerment, I thought. And, and what I mean by that is it was really like talking about, um, there was one where it was like just sort of this whole sort of spoken word thing as, as we saw pictures of one of the gymnasts, because there was a bunch of gymnasts. There was like probably about eight or nine. They had most of the U.S., 2021 gymnastics team, the women's, they like five of them. And then they had other ones that had been in other, other Olympics and, and, you know, NCAA champion gymnasts and stuff like that. And one of them who I think maybe was an Olympian, but didn't win or, or maybe didn't even make it to the Olympics. She's talked about like the goals she set when she was five years old. And she's like, it's a letter to my past self. And it's, she's like, you know, you're not going to make the goals that you're setting for yourself when you're five years old. But that's okay, because along the way, and she starts talking about the different things she learned being a competitive gymnast and the idea of sort of accepting who she was, even if she wasn't what she thought she was going to become. Mm -hmm. In a way, it was like more about the process of working on something. And because, you know, gymnastics is a hard sport. And it was interesting to see the idea of, of self-esteem worked into that. Because I think that a lot of stuff that we see now is about like, you should just have a good self-esteem and feel good about yourself and accept your body and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're kind of a fat slob. You really probably shouldn't. In fact, I think you should have a lot less self-acceptance, you know. Um, but this was something where it's like. Yeah, this... that, that's a good point because they're turning self-esteem into accepting mediocrity. Yeah, this was basically, it's like your, your self-esteem that you have to earn, but remembering to have it when you've earned it. Because what's interesting to me about gymnastics, especially women's gymnastics, because they're so young. I mean, Simone Biles was like the 2016, like won everything, and she's 23 now. So that means, what, five years ago, so she was what, like 16 or no, like 17, 18, something like that? Like she was maybe 17 or 18 at the top of her game, the best ever to ever do it at 18 years old. And some of these ones are even younger. I mean, some of the ones that were there at this thing, I mean, they were maybe 
17 or 18 now, and they had been in the Olympics, you know, this past year or maybe years before. So they're so young, and it's still like all the insecurities that you see with with young women in general, but trying to be very supportive about building sort of a stronger mental foundation, because there was a lot of stuff about mental health. There was a lot of stuff, and, and overtly saying about mental health, and a lot of stuff about self-esteem and, and building up self-worth in something that's very difficult to do physically, but also talking a lot about the mental component, because this, this whole show was really for young girls. I mean, that was the, the there was 90% of the people there were, were young girls, probably I would say under the age of 12. So it's kind of like you either got that or you got a manatee concert. Those are the two things where people that age would go. Or if, you, if, if, if anyone there was older, they would be like, okay, and there's the pedophile. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's that's why I, I had to make sure. <laughs> they were that like, I, who is this guy? You're yeah. like, hey, I'm just with the jujitsu of life. We're going to podcast yeah. about this. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I had to make sure that I had the goddaughters with me at all times because I didn't want to seem like a creeper creep. Um, no, was, I'm here by myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> I heard this is pretty cool, man. So yeah, I've been waiting for this all year. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was just interesting to see because it's like, so one thing that having goddaughters and nieces has taught me is there's a lot of, I would say, dubious at best, but I would say downright bad role models for young women. Like when I started shopping for gifts for them and things like that, Everything was like a princess and a this and a that. Everything was like this, like, like that, the princess mentality, I guess, as I would say. And I think that's a terrible mentality for girls to have. And, and I always say this to Chantel. I'm like, you meet a lot of princesses in life as an adult, young, single male. You're going to meet a lot of them. And some of them might be sort of worthy. And a lot of them are not worthy at all, but they're still princesses and they will find that prince sooner or later. Like they'll find their sucker sooner or later. And I'm like, that's just a terrible thing to teach girls. I think it's like, Oh, be a princess. And this prince will come along one day or whatever. It's like what kind of mentality is that. Mm -hmm. So what I liked about this is it showed like all the hard work and dedication it takes to be a, a, a gymnast and building self-esteem around hard work and accomplishment instead of like how you look or how you feel or whatever it was it was a very practical empowering thing but it wasn't because usually to me that like building self-esteem is is on just nothing like like how it's not built around hard work it is for boys i think a little bit more about what you accomplish and and you know winning and doing well on the team and stuff like that but for a lot of young girls maybe less than it used to be, but still it's like about feeling pretty and about this and that. I'm like, what kind of message does that send? Like mm -hmm. if you're not pretty, you're worthless. If you're, and, and it's just stupid. It's like, a, it's a terrible way to live regardless of how good. Well, they that's why they started the whole, um, like don't shame that person type of deal. Pro probably. But I always feel like it missed the mark because it's not like, yeah, when they talk about fat shaming and stuff like that, to me, the problem with that is it kind of goes the opposite of like, yeah, it's it, you shouldn't be rude to somebody about how they look. But at the same time, just deciding like, well, I'm just fat and that's just how I am. That's the same thing, because to me, it's like if we equated that with anything else, the thing with fat, like 
being overweight or whatever is that it's a physical thing on how somebody looks. But to me, I would look no differently if somebody was a slob, like just, you know, maybe they're thin, but their room, they've got clothes everywhere or whatever. I'm like, that is not a good way to live because you are losing valuable time by being sloppy and disorganized. You are having to repeat things over and over again. You're having to look for things over and over again. You're wasting time. And this idea of like, oh, this is just the way I like it. Okay, if you're Albert Einstein or something like that, fine. But if you're not, you're just a slob. It's It reminds me of the quote in Bull Durham where Kevin Costner's care, he's like, you got mold on your shoes. If you're playing in the majors and you're winning 20 games in the show, as he calls it, the media is going to love it. They're going to say you're, you're colorful. You've got character. But until you're winning 20 games in the show, it makes you a slob. That's all it makes you. And that's, I, I think that's such a great way of looking at it. Like, so to me, it's, it's not about necessarily how somebody looks. It's that the idea that you're just, like you said, accepting mediocrity, just being, well, this is just the way I am. And, and what I liked about this show is it, it said work for it and then enjoy it. Because I think that a lot of these gymnasts, like they work their ass off, they get to a super high level. And then there's this huge depression because now the competition's over. Now it's like, what do we do now? And, and a lot of them, again, when you throw in all the other horrible things that happen with that Larry Nasser guy and all that other stuff, too, it's like it's just another dimension to how their their self-esteem is so destroyed when they should be having high self-esteem because they reach an elite level at a very, very difficult thing at a very young age. And I think that's what they were trying to do with this this whole thing. And and, and there was some gymnastics and there's music and there's stuff that that like the girls liked. But for me, just watching it, not really knowing much about gymnastics and, and not caring about that that much, I was like, this is a really interesting thing because it's combining hard work leading to self-esteem. The idea that self-esteem is something to be earned, but you should work on earning self-esteem. And I feel like the two have been separated so much in this world. It's like, you know, hard work is, yeah, I mean, are you inherently born with confidence? No, I think confidence is something you need to earn, and it's something you should go earn. And that's the thing that I think is we put sort of the um, cart before the horse in certain ways. It's like, oh, well, you just need to have confidence and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why? Why would you have confidence? To me, it's like, like I, I and I'll, I'll bring it back to me, because I am me. Um, like, and nobody I, I, can be you better than you. <laughs> That's what Robles told me. Um, so, I mean, I feel like I'm getting better at understanding commercial real estate. Like if I were to explain it to somebody who's brand new, I, I think I could kind of break down the steps a little bit. But I'm not particularly confident on it yet because it's still finishing up the first one, working on the second one. But give me a couple years. When I've got 10, 12 projects under my belt, I'm going to feel more confident. Because I earned that confidence. I did it. I did it well. Or I'll be in prison in five years. Less confident that <laughs> apparently didn't earn it so well. So, I mean, you know, but that's that's the thing. Or, or, or jujitsu. It's like I feel confident in teaching it, but I've been doing it for 25 years. I've, I've earned it. I've earned that right for that confidence. That's a good example. I mean, unless you've had any sort of grappling experience, right? Like unless you were a wrestler coming into jujitsu, I think most people walk onto the mat with very little confidence and a little bit of, a lot of insecurity, I, I would say. Yeah. And I think that's, to me, it's, it would be almost weird if you weren't like, I've met people that are like, Oh, I tried jujitsu and I, I lost. It was terrible, man. I don't like well, that's it. What you would call cockiness, right? Unearned yeah. confidence. 
Yes. And maybe that's really what this this show. And in fact, thank you for saying that, because I think that's what I really I was trying to figure out. What did I get from this? And what I got, even with Simone Biles herself, because clearly she's the star. Right. I mean, it, it's it's gold over America tour, G.O.A.T., which is also GOAT, which is also greatest of all time, which was funny because my my younger goddaughter is like, why are they so obsessed with goats? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> That's it what means, I was saying. It means greatest of all time. It was so funny though, because it was so. Yeah. Earnest. Where are we going to see like, the goats? Yeah, and, and like they did, they sold like little baby goats and all that. She's like, I don't understand. Why are they so obsessed with goats? But she's clearly, clearly the greatest of all time, and she had confidence in that fact. But it never seemed arrogant at all, even though she was the last one, like you know, the last one to do certain things or whatever. But it was it was that earned confidence. It wasn't cockiness. And the fact that, you know, we talked about her before when she decided to not compete in that one event in the Olympics, the way she talked about it, I think, threw people off because there wasn't, she wasn't apologizing. She wasn't anything like that. She just was like, I mentally just could not do this at this moment. So I chose not to. And she kind of reiterated that a little bit when she was talking. She's like, you know, if you feel mentally that you are just not up for this and it's going to cause you know damage and, and live to fight another day, basically that mentality. And I thought that was really interesting to hear from somebody who's competed at the highest levels, who's absolutely earned the right to say that. And I saw confidence and I saw somebody who carried themselves with confidence, but was never cocky, was never arrogant about it. And that to me is a great message to send to people. Because it's like we live in the, you know, the era where you've got Jake Paul fighting. I guess he wants to fight Floyd now or whatever. So you got two, you got so much cockiness in one room that I don't know if the room could take it. The room might explode from too much cocky. Um, and, and people see like, oh, well, this is how you make money. You just, you're cocky, you talk a bunch of trash and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah, you, you can. That's one way of doing it. But it's nice to see somebody like Simone who's like, who speaks really in a very composed manner. And who has done all these great things, do it a different way. Do it a Khabib more- Khabib kind of does the same thing. Yeah, Khabib's a great example of that to me. He, Khabib's like, got they just stay true. They don't try to create a different persona. They just stay true to who they are. And I'm not knocking the people that do create a persona because at the end of the day, it's entertainment and we know yes. that, right? So it's like, it's like wrestling. Um, but I do enjoy when people stay true to themselves and they're still magnetic. Yeah, there's there's something really interesting to see that. And like you said, I mean, with all things, you need parity, especially in combat sports, especially, I think you need the different types of personalities, the personality clashes. I mean, we just had uh, Tyson Fury fight um, Deontay Wilder for the for the third time. And I think he's now three and zero against Deontay. But, you know, that's a Tyson Fury, I think, is another great example of somebody where he's been totally open about it. he's like, oh, yeah, I was a total drunk. I had severe depression. I had mental health issues. I had all these things that I had to overcome. And he wasn't, I think, playing it up for drama because what was interesting is that he was still winning when all this stuff was happening. Like he's still undefeated, right? I think he has like one no contest or something like that, but I think he's- uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think he's lost. And it was interesting to, to me, that's the most interesting thing because a lot of times you'll notice, especially in combat sports, you hear nothing about the injuries, the this, the that, until the losing starts. And then all of a sudden it's like, 
Tito Ortiz to me was always the worst of this. He's like, oh, I had a fractured skull. I had broken my neck. Uh, you know, I'd done like just on and on with all these excuses every time they <laughs> lose. Um, but what I thought was interesting with Tyson Fury is like he was saying this stuff and he was winning, but he was still talking about this struggle. And I think that is that to me is 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 a an interesting message when you start seeing people that are at the top of their craft talk about their struggles in a, in a very relatable way. And yet they didn't let their struggles destroy them the way we've seen other people and others, you know, the Daryl strawberries of the world, the different people of different sports where it really has destroyed them. And then they're open about it and it's interesting, but it's, it's kind of nice to see people win going through adversity. And I think mm -hmm. that that's another sort of thing that, that I saw with this is that, you know, Simone, Many people, I think, would have ducked and hid after having to withdraw from the Olympics or whatever. And it's like she just went right back out there. She still competed a few days later because she still won medals. But it was something where she was just like, I can't do this this day. I'm not doing this. And there was no apologizing. There was no nothing like that. And, and um, I don't know. It was, it was something where I, I wish the tour was a little bit longer. And there's different things where I wouldn't say it was super entertaining from an adult point of view of, of the show. But the message behind the show, the message of of self-empowerment, and they, they even had something where they were sponsored by some company that does cell phones that have no social media on it. And I was like, oh, I like that, too, because I think that social media is something that really everybody down the line should avoid. But especially young teenagers should stay far away from social media because it's there's no good that can happen with that. There's only bad. Um, so it was it was cool to see, man. I mean, I think that. Uh, yeah, it was good to see. So Yeah, I like what you said, though, in terms of, and if you research this, I mean, anyone that you research, male, female, does not matter, they have reached the highest levels of success. If they have, there's always some very interesting story because there is always struggle. Yeah. Anyone who's super successful, they, 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 it was never handed to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the interesting thing. And I think that that's an important message to tell people, because I think we live in an age and maybe it's always been this way. I say we live in an age, but where people kind of want things handed to them. If it's not easy, they don't want to attempt it. Yeah. Right. And again, this is why I love jujitsu for all the reasons that you talked about. I don't I, I love women in jujitsu. Yeah. Even though it's still not as mainstream, I mean, it's, it's dominated, uh, you know, by males. But I still would, I, I still like to see it growing because yeah. jujitsu does not create a princess, maybe a warrior princess. Yeah, there you go. There you <laughs> right? go. It, it creates the uh, all that sort of self-esteem uh, that you're talking about, all, all those all those types of things. And most importantly, it teaches you that you, you're never going to get from white to black. No one's going to hand you that. Right. Yeah. It, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Uh, uh, the, the ears that Carter has, that's from years of being smashed, you know, and it's earning that earning earning the black belt. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I did a video about things that, that you know, kids can learn from jujitsu. And I remember a couple things I talked about, like one thing that jujitsu, I think, teaches kids is how to lose. Because in jiu-jitsu, like, you lose all the time. You get tapped out. It's like you've lost. And we, there's so many things I know in sports where there's a lot of stuff where they don't keep score anymore and everybody gets the participation medal and blah, blah, blah. You just can't do that in jiu-jitsu. 
you get tapped out, you get tapped out. And that I think is a good lesson for kids to, to learn for a couple reasons. For number one, for themselves, just to understand how to, how to correct mistakes, like how losing and failure can be a really good teacher. You learn what not to do. You learn the mistakes you, you did that led to the tap. But it also allows you, if you're watching, to see other things. So you get to see how your fellow peers, like if you're a kid, how other kids handle losing. Some of them handle it well. Some of them handle it with grace. Some of them do not. Some of them will lose. Some of them, like especially if you're a kid and you see somebody else who's really talented, you'll watch them go up and up and up, but eventually they're going to have some adversity and a lot of them are going to quit. So you're going to see, oh, if I'm naturally talented, if I'm just, you know, everyone's got their own inner light. Yeah, that gets you to a certain point, but sooner or later, you're gonna, it's going to be a fight. You're going to have to learn how to fight literally and figuratively learn how to fight for getting to that next level and dealing with that adversity. And then the other thing it's going to teach kids is watching adults. Because when you get to a certain age, you start watching the adults train. Some adults handle losing Have you well. ever seen an adult that doesn't lose well in jiu-jitsu? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> and that's, that's a huge thing for kids to see because I think it's important for kids to realize the good and the bad of adults. That there's some adults, because when I was a kid, and I know probably the case for you too, like adults were intimidating. Like there was an intimidation factor of adults, I think, that kids who grew up in the 70s and 80s had that I can't think kids nowadays don't seem to have at all. There's a lot of kids, that, young kids, where it's like, why is this kid calling me by my first name? I'm Mr. Fist to you. <laughs> um, but I'll take Coach Carter. Um, so, but it's, I think it's good for kids to see how adults act, how adults may say, oh, you should be humble and stuff like that, but watch them when they get tapped out. Are they humble about it or do they start making excuses? Watch them, what happens when they get tired? Do they just quit or do they push through it? Are they seeking out difficult training situations? Or are they taking situations where it's easy for them? There's a lot of stuff that kids can learn where they learn, I think in many ways in jiu-jitsu, you learn actions are more important than words. Because we've seen it all the time on on forums and Instagrams and all this stuff, all these jiu-jitsu guys putting all this humble stuff and da-da-da-da-da. But then you see the way they compete, the way they fight, the way they train, and it's like, mm, what they do is a lot different than what they say. And I think for a kid to see that at an early age is important because you need to figure out who to have as a mentor and who not to have as a mentor. Um, if you're going to do gymnastics, maybe you are seeing someone like Simone Biles and they'll go on a tour and things like that. With jujitsu, a more underground sport, you may have to start picking people that are at your gym and things like that. I was listening to Jiu-Jitsu today talk about you know some of the early mentors he had as a white belt were business owners and, and adults who had done all these things that as a kid growing up, he didn't know that was possible. But then he started meeting these people and, and realizing, oh, there's this whole life that I could have as a business owner that I never knew was possible. So it's it does give you the ability to have really good mentors for jujitsu itself, but also for other parts of life. And so I think for a kid, that's another thing that they can really get from jujitsu. Um, so that's 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 a good reason to train, and it's just another thing that I think learning how to earn the self-esteem, learning how to earn the confidence, 
is so much more important because if you've really earned confidence and if you've really earned self-esteem, it's much, it's much more stable. And I think that if you start basing your self-esteem on external things, and this is another thing that they showed at the Simone Biles thing, it's like they, they kind of showed like, earn this in the gym, earn how you feel about yourself in the gym and how well you're doing, you know, on the vault or whatever it might be. And I don't know my gymnastics terms, that's where you earn it. You don't earn it by getting likes on social media. And they, they basically said that. And I'm like, man, I'm glad they are saying that to young girls. And I'm glad they're saying that from somebody who they're going to respect. They're already here to see. And this is the way she's using her platform to really build up true self-esteem and really build up strong mental health through working at things, through self-improvement, through all these things that we've talked about a billion times. It was really cool to see. I love that. You have to earn your confidence or else you're just building a house of cards, right? And you see that nowadays where parents will build up their children and it's built on what foundation? You know what I mean? Like their kids haven't even done anything or even adults. When you see them surround themselves with people that constantly hype them up, right? Like we've talked about this in business that you want to surround yourself with people that are going to be open and honest with you and give you some real constructive criticism. So that way you can improve yourself, right? I don't want to surround myself with people that are always telling me how great I'm doing everything because in reality, that's just not the truth and they're holding me back. Yeah. And you see this, I mean, the good thing again about coming from a combat sports background and boxing is especially notorious for this. The, the boxer has success. They start building up an entourage and they, they surround themselves with yes men and they invariably fall off at some point. And, and I think one of the real reasons is because they don't do what they did to get to the top when they're at the top. And one of the main reasons why is they didn't have yes men when they were getting up to the top, probably because they couldn't afford them. You know, I mean, like they, they get this whole entourage and, and if you're, you know, and then they just, they stop doing what's necessary. And that's something that I think is a, is a real reason why people fall off in all sorts of things in life. It's like you get too comfortable. You start thinking that you're successful because you're just special versus what did I do to become successful? And if things start going down, okay, what adjustments do I need to make? And that is you know, sort of understanding and have that independence of, of self-reliance of being able to analyze situations. And if you learn how to do that at an early age, it makes being continually successful much more possible because you can deal with the different adversities because you have the same sort of system of, of analyzing what happened and having people hype you up, having, you know, all that kind of stuff first of all, seems miserable. Like what a miserable son of a bitch you'd be if you just had, you know, people just hyping you all the time. Um, and then secondly, it's, it's, it's not sustainable because the only reason you got those people is because doing a certain thing. And if you stop doing that thing, you will lose those people, which those are people you should never have around you to begin with. So we all saw what happened to Ricky Bobby. Yeah. We did. <laughs> we'll tell oh, it. Episode 2000. In 176, I believe. 176. I just spoke 2,000. I just, I just manifested yeah. that right now. So yeah. 2,000 is around the corner. It's coming. But for today, 176 in the books to re-listen or to review this episode. Check us out at the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also check us out at Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. Shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. 
We make authentic geese. Yellow Pine Investments makes custom warehouses. Be sure to check them out. Also, check out Caleb Callista. We're going to have him on the show next week. We're going to talk about his new DVD that he's dropping or that he might have already dropped, Sneaky Submissions Part 2. This one's No Gi Edition. Uh, check out Steve Hordensky, Jiu-Jitsu on the go. And if you're in the Austin area, check out Chaparral Moving. They have Moving Down to a Science. I'm Mo. That's my brother, Carter. As always, we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.